Hello and welcome to the Bear Down Podcast Quarantine Edition. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been an incredibly long time since I've had a chance to sit down and do some recording. I am your host, Adam Karnick, by the way. Uh, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've had a chance to sit down and talk. Suffice to say, the day job got very, very, very busy. Uh, life got busy, the little bit of time that I wasn't working, and as hard as it can be to maybe imagine, it was hard to find an hour or two to sit down and just record a podcast. But now, thanks to COVID-19 and the coronavirus, I've suddenly got a little bit of a little bit of time on my hands. So if if one good thing came out of this, at least I get to come back and talk some football and and share some opinions out there. So first of all, I hope that you and all of your family are safe and healthy and staying away you know, staying out of harm's way, staying home as much as possible, uh, staying away from all the big crowds and the big groups and just staying home, trying to stay healthy and riding out, riding out this storm and this interesting new world that COVID-19 and coronavirus has put us in. A little bit uh, longer of a podcast I'm hoping for today and, and with this segment since Obviously, it's been a few months since I've recorded. Lots of lots of thought. Just because I haven't been recording doesn't mean I haven't been thinking about the Bears, thinking about football in general. So lots of lots of different things to talk about. Obviously, don't need to recap all the last couple of months that that went on in the football world. Just going to focus on on the last few weeks. Going to talk about the the new collective bargaining agreement that got ratified the biggest the two biggest changes that we as football consumers are going to notice with that going to talk some free agency outside of the bears uh, the the different quarterbacks moving around some not everybody moving around but some big quarterback names moving around and then harping in and and narrowing in focus on what the Bears have done to this point in free agency. So I hope that this is able to break up the monotony of, of uh, our, our new life right now with coronavirus news everywhere and, and COVID-19. And if you're in quarantine, then maybe this will give you something to break up your your uh, monotony of of your new routine, or if you're not in quarantine yet, hey, they give you a chance to to hear something else in the news other than other than coronavirus news. So, thanks so much for for tuning in, and and here we go. I am going to be breaking up into segments a little more often since it is going to be a little bit bigger of an episode, so easier to to stop and and find where you left off. So. Thank you so much for, for tuning in, and off we go. All right, so first up, let's talk about the new collective bargaining agreement that the players and owners ratified. Uh, I think I had talked about it back 
at the beginning of the season that there was ever so possibly the chance that uh, that football might be coming to a halt after the 2020 season, that the 2021 season was a little bit in jeopardy. Well, they, they ratified a new collective bargaining agreement well in advance, so there is no, no chance of football being stopped. I understand completely why the owners were in a rush to make the move that they did. They've got some television agreements and contracts to negotiate, so they wanted to have labor peace. From a player's perspective, uh, it was very much geared towards the non-superstar type NFL players, towards the the bottom two-thirds of the league. Uh, That was why, if you're on social media, you probably saw quite a bit of comments from the superstar athletes talking about how they weren't big fans of the deal. A lot of minutia there. Suffice to say... Uh, the the deal on the whole, in my opinion, does benefit the owners more than it does the players, but the players did choose to ratify it, so here we are. From a fan perspective, the two biggest things we're going to notice with this new CBA is going to be the extra playoff teams, larger playoff field, and then and that's kicking into place right away here in this 2020 season. And then sometime down the line, not this season, but possibly as early as 2021, we're going to start to see a 17 game regular season. So I'll start first with the expanded playoffs. I love it. I love it. There's no reason in the world to not add a couple more playoff teams into it. This is actually a proposal, this exact scenario that comes out, and to recap in case in case anybody missed it, what the NFL has done under this new collective bargaining agreement is they've added two more playoff teams, one in each conference, one in the AFC and one in the NFC. Uh, we've gone from six playoff teams to seven. So obviously your four division winners get in, and now we have three wildcard teams instead of just two. Uh, Previously, what had happened was the top two teams, the top two division winners in each conference would get a bye. Now you're only going to see the top team, the top division winner in each conference is going to be the only team to get a bye week. The number two seed will host the number seven seed. The three seed will host the six. The four will host the five. I love it. There's not a reason in the world to not do this. The Kansas City Chiefs have actually been proposing this exact scenario, this exact playoff format for a little over 15 years. It's probably been about 16, 17 years that the Chiefs have every year kind of introduced this playoff format, this idea. And there's now there's no reason to not. Uh, You're still... Less than half the league is getting into the playoffs. I have heard some people complain, oh, you're you're throwing too many teams into the playoffs. You're you're lessening the value of making the playoffs. This isn't the NBA. This isn't the NHL. Both of those leagues, over half of those leagues get into the playoffs. You're having teams with losing records consistently, constantly get in to the playoffs. 
you still aren't going to have that in the NFL. 14 out of the 32 teams now are going to make the playoffs. More than half of the league still doesn't qualify for the playoffs. So I don't feel you're diluting the product of the playoffs at all by adding two more teams. It's just one more team in each conference. Might you get a team that will be nine and seven or eight and eight in there on occasion? Yeah, it it could happen on occasion, but far more often than not, you're going to see that extra 10 and 16, that team that just couldn't, that lost a tiebreaker to somebody from a win earlier in the season. They're, they're going to get in with a 10 and six record now, as opposed to losing that tiebreaker and being one of the first teams out. So I, I don't feel that this lessens the playoff field in any way. I think it's a good move from that standpoint. It generates more revenue for the league. The the television money that they're able to then turn around and, and generate from just more eyeballs on the screens, that, that can easily uh, replace what what revenue they might lose from shortening the preseason a little bit. So that's a that's another reason I like it is you can potentially look at getting rid of some more of those preseason games that we tolerate because 50 years ago when athletes weren't able to just hone their own craft year round and you, you actually had the guys had to go work different jobs throughout the year or just took six months, just not doing football related things or, or athlete related things. They needed that time to kind of get back into football shape. We don't need that anymore. So the, the preseason games can go away completely. As far as I'm concerned, this revenue from extra, extra playoff games can potentially help make that a reality as now the owners aren't sacrificing that money potentially. Uh, so I love the new playoff format. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that one iota, one, one bit. Yes. The bears still would not have made it, uh, last year. I did see a piece that ESPN did, uh, about a week ago or so got, you know, of course, Everything feels like it was months ago, the way this past week has been for for everybody with all the coronavirus news. But I think it was just a week ago. ESPN put out a a, a little piece that talked about uh, if we'd always had seven teams in each conference, who some of the strongest seven teams were. There was one Bears team on there. I believe it was the 2011 Bears went 10 and 6 and missed the playoffs because Minnesota beat Green Bay later on in the day which meant that Minnesota won the division and the Bears uh lost a tiebreaker to Green Bay for a wild card spot. So the Bears potentially could have been affected by this a few years ago. They wouldn't have been affected by it last year. Uh but still I think it's I think it's the right move to make in in the NFL. I love having the extra playoff teams, more playoff games. And who doesn't love to see an upset now and again? You know, we, as long as it's not our team getting upset, we love seeing them. They're they're always so much fun. So seeing a 7 seed possibly knock out a 2 is just going to be something we're all going to talk about and get us focused in on the next game. Another side effect of this that I think is going to happen 
is you're going to see even the division winners are going to ramp are aren't going to tamp down the way they play the last few weeks because now only one of them possibly can get a bye week of the four division winners. You, so now all of a sudden there's going to be that extra push to be the top overall seed in the division because only the top seed in the entire conference gets a bye instead of the top two. So I think that means you're going to see some extra push from some teams at the end of the season wanting to push for that one seed, which makes games more games at the end of the regular season more relevant. That being said, that flips on to the other side of the CBA is the possibility of a 17-game regular season. I can't stand that. You just fixed the problem of having meaningless games at the end of the regular season by adding a seventh seed. By adding a seventh seed, you're keeping more teams at the bottom of the playoff field active and in it and alive. Those those bubble teams are going to be a little more active because there's another another seat at the table to possibly go grab. And at the top side of it, there's, there's that added incentive to get number one. So you, keeping teams active and going into, into the final 16th game of the season, you're going to keep teams more active. Adding a 17th game, you're, you're just making it worthless. You're adding a game that at the end of the day isn't going to mean anything. So much stuff is going to be decided by that by that final 17th game, by that new week 18 that we're going to have sometime down the line. They haven't officially announced when it's going to be. It can't be any earlier than the 2021 season, but at the same time, it seems like the owners are going to put this 17th game into play as soon as they're able to, which is 2021. There's not a reason for it. There, there just isn't. You're going to have your playoff seedings are going to be very similar to what we have now, where everything's going to be determined. And if, if they weren't adding another playoff team into each conference, then absolutely a 17th game would be completely worthless and a waste of time because everything would be decided. Uh, you'd be seeing backups all over the place getting ready to play. So there are, so at least they're adding the extra playoff team in to help so that this, this new week 18 won't be a complete waste. It won't be a colossal waste of time. It'll just be a complete waste of time. Like, like week 17 is now I've got a lot of reasons why I don't like the added 17th game. Some of them are kind of petty and I'll start with the, the, the little bit more petty ones. But then there are some important reasons why I don't like this, starting with some of the more petty reasons. There's not an obvious gap in the way the NFL does the scheduling right now that, oh, well, this is what the 17th game would be. This is what the extra team would be. The way the NFL does scheduling is very formulaic, is very... they're, they're 
very clear cut and obvious rules as to who plays what team and why. You play every team in your division twice, once at your home, once at their home. You play an entire other division inside your own conference, two games in your building, two team two games on the road, two teams on the road. You play an entire division outside of your conference, again two at your building, two at the other buildings. And then you have two wild card games where it's inside your own conference. You play a team that finished in its division, the same place you finished in your division uh, in the last season. For example, the Bears this past season finished third in the NFC North, so they will play the third place teams in the NFC uh, from the division that they're not playing. They're playing the entire NFC South this upcoming season, so they'll play the third-place teams from the NFC West and the NFC East. So very clear-cut, obvious, formulaic how they form the schedule. There's not a gaping hole there for a 17th game. Are you going to make it be an extra divisional game? Well, then you play one of your divisional opponents three times and the other two twice. That's not really fair. Do you play one of the conference opponents that you played a second time? Well, why? There's not really a reason to. And which one is it? Do you play an extra team from outside of your conference? Well, those games, I mean, if there are four games on the schedule that it's okay to lose every year, it's the four games against your non-conference opponents, because those games really don't matter all that much. They don't get used in tie-breaking scenarios, at least not until the towards the very bottom of the tie-breaking scenario rules. Uh, they don't matter that whole much for standings purposes, other than they're just part of the 16. So there's not really a reason to add a non-conference game in there. Then are you going to Pick another team from inside your conference that you aren't already playing. Well, again, who is it going to be and kind of why? There's not an obvious clear-cut, oh, it should be this team. It should be that team. Uh, Again, that's that's a more of a petty reason, but it bothers me. It irks me that you can't clearly and obviously identify what opponent you'd be playing for the 17th game. Another reason that's still on the petty side Well, now you have an unbalanced schedule. You have half the league will either play more home games than the other half. You have half the teams playing one extra home game and the other half all playing an extra road game. That's not fair at all. That is definitely not a balanced schedule. There is a very clear and obvious distinction that playing at home grants a team if you look especially at the playoff games playing at home makes a big difference look at the way that las vegas bets and puts the odds on teams the home playing at home is usually worth at least a touchdown for betting purposes just being the home team is is worth a touchdown so half the league having to play an extra road game, that's a severe disadvantage to those teams. And that's 
not a very fair and balanced schedule. So that's, that is a larger issue. One thing that they could try to do to correct that is have a neutral site game. Okay, where are you going to have these neutral sites? They could be international. We know we've been trying to grow the game internationally for years now. This gets into my big concern with this. How, if you want to have a neutral site international game, first of all, you still technically need to have a home team. You can't just say, oh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a neutral site game. Now, somebody still technically has to be the home team. So for your, for your standings purposes, for your tie-breaking purposes, you're still going to have half the league playing nine home games and the other half being the official road team nine times. So it doesn't really fix it. There. It kind of sort of fixes it, but not in a, not in a nice way. And then if you're going to do international games, how are you going to do that? Are you going to have are you going to have an international game every week? Especially for the games that are played off of the North American continent, games that have been played for example in London for the past few years. When those teams get done playing that, the league generally gives them a bye week when they come back from that game so that they're, they have a chance to rest and better recover because their internal clocks are all thrown off. I know when I go, and that is, that is very much a, a, a thing. I know that sounds like, Oh, it's first world problems. It's, 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 Oh, boo hoo. You get to, you have to go to London to work. Oh, boo hoo. Wah, wah. I've noticed when I've traveled out to the West Coast, my sister lives out in the uh, in the Seattle area. When I've traveled out there, it takes a few days to kind of adjust your body. That is, that is a thing. That that is not just oh wah wah. Get used to it. Get over it. Get better. That is very much a thing, and that's just three hours. You go across the oceans, and you're talking about five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours, twelve hours difference in time. Yeah, your body needs time to adjust to that. So that so that is a thing. So if you start having teams travel internationally for these neutral site extra games, you're going to if you're going to do that starting right away week 1, well that means starting right away week 2, you're having teams on the bye week. <laughs> that's not good. You don't want to have your buy right away to start the season. They had to do that there for a few years when there were only 31 teams and nobody liked it. Nobody liked having a bye week in the first five weeks of the season or the last five weeks of the season. Doing an international game every week, you're going to have to do that. Oh, okay. Well, then we can, we can have all the international games be just one dedicated week to having international games. Okay, then they get back and you have the entire following week, no games. That's a horrible idea. <laughs> to have a week at some point in the season, uh, either in the middle of the season, right when everything's ramping up and everybody's frothing at the mouth for it, you suddenly push pause in the entire league for a week. No, that's a bad idea. Or you put it at the end of the season, right before the playoffs are about to start. No, we would be 
screaming bloody murder. What do you mean the entire league needs a week off? The playoffs are set to start. You need to start the playoffs. So I, I don't know what you do for that extra game, how you set it up. I think no matter how they do it, it's going to cause problems that are that are more trouble than they're worth. You're not solving any inherent problems in the schedule by adding a 17th game for all the teams, and you're just creating a whole slew of them that you otherwise didn't didn't already have and certainly don't need. And that doesn't even get into the players' side of it, of all the extra wear and tear on their bodies and, and the extra extra abuse that their bodies then are going to take by participating in this 17th game. So I, I do not like the idea of that 17th regular season game. I think that's a horrible idea. And frankly, I think the owners need to scrap it. Uh, All right, coming up in the next segment, let's talk some, let's talk about some players. Let's talk some free agency. We've had some big movements around the league so far. Let's dive into them a little bit. You've got the Bear Down podcast. Come on back real quick. Thanks. All right, welcome back to the Bear Down podcast. Uh, in case you took a little bit of a break there after that last segment, let's uh, let's dive in now. So we talked about the CBA, the new the new CBA. Let's talk about let's talk about some players now. We had some big moves, some big quarterback moves. Those are always juicy to talk about. Uh, of course, Drew Brees, he made the decision to stay in New Orleans. No shock there. He's He has loved that city, and that city has loved him ever since he got there. He wants to, to give it one or two more tries. Good on him. Good for him. It makes sense. to just Just seeing Drew Brees in a Saints uniform just looks right. One of his former teammates, Teddy Bridgewater, he found a new home. He went to Carolina. Good on him, good for him. The Bears had actually made a good faith effort to try and and get him to bring him in to be the starting quarterback. He chose Carolina over the Bears. There's some talk that maybe he was just using the Bears to try to get a better deal out of the Panthers. If he did, it worked. He The Panthers did offer more money than the Bears. The years were the same, but uh, he got a couple extra million per season out of Carolina that he did for Chicago. Good for him. Uh, best of luck to Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. The Bears will get to see him this season and see either what they missed out on or if they made if they made a good move, if that's going to work for him. And then, of course, the big one, Tom Brady. <sighs> he finally had enough of Bill Belichick. He finally had enough putting up with with Bill Belichick. He couldn't take one more insult, one more time of one more insult, one more anything. He just couldn't take it anymore. Tom Brady's no longer a patriot. I I have to say personally, I did not see it coming. I thought that Tom Brady at 42 years old, I can completely understand wanting to get away from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, uh, by all accounts, is a fantastic coach. No no doubt about that. He's an amazing coach. But he seems to be the kind of guy that 
would be just a colossally hard man to work for and work under. Uh, so I could see why he would want to get away, but at the same time, I would think at 42 years old that that staying in New England would would present his best chance to actually win. You know, it's a city he already knows. It's a town he already knows. It's a team he already knows. It's a team that is set up around him as much as possible. Obviously, he's in the good graces of the owner. Uh, not enough for the owner to pay him what he wanted, but but you know, enough that the the owner will probably be giving him some stock in the team when this is all said and done, or something like that. So I was surprised to see Brady leave New England. I thought he was going to say, I thought he was going to sign a one-year deal to to stay with New England, give it one last try to win a Super Bowl there, because I thought that that was honestly where he has the best chance. Plus, if you're another team, all right, to say you have Tom Brady, that's cool, but Tom Brady's 42 years old, and you could tell last year his... His numbers were down. His play was down. He still mentally is sharp. He's He knows where to put the ball. It's just starting to be, can he physically put the ball where it needs to go? Uh, and then to me, I thought if he wasn't going to go to New England, I thought the most obvious place for him to go would be Indianapolis. Uh, I have uh, a coworker of mine who is a Colts fan who anytime I brought that up, hated it. I uh, thought he would he would turn in his his Colts fandom, even if it happened. Uh, I can kind of understand it. That rivalry is intense. The Colts don't really have an AFC South rival like they like they did with their old AFC East rival, New England, and the Patriots because they've just taken that division out behind the woodshed and shed and beaten it every year. They don't really have a natural rival anymore inside their own division. Yeah. Okay. A little bit with Buffalo, a little bit with Miami, they go down to Miami and seem to lose every year, but those teams are just so consistently not good. It's hard to, to really build up a passionate rivalry against a team that you just, you consistently pound in. Whereas India, New England for years, you had, Manning versus Brady to help keep fueling it and keeping it alive. Plus their old days of seeing each other twice a year help, you know, just, just knuckle that in and you don't like each other. So I can understand why a Colts fan would be hesitant to welcome Tom Brady in with open arms. Uh, it'd be like the Bears welcoming in uh, Brett Favre with open arms. I, I, Always cringed at that thought when that was coming up 10 years ago. So I can understand that. But from a cap space, the Colts had the money to spend. They were one of the top five teams in the league with available cap space. And you talk about all the Colts need is a quarterback. They've got one of the best defenses in the league. They've got a tremendously talented offensive line, a 42-year-old quarterback that was never particularly mobile to begin with. Yeah, he's going to want a good, solid, stout offensive line in front of him to keep him upright. The Colts have that. They've got probably the best offensive line in the league working with him. 
and that defense is so set to win now. Plus, they just made a trade to to strengthen that defense even more. They took one of the one of the uh, San Francisco 49ers defensive players to make their defense even better. So I always thought Indy would be a very logical and obvious landing spot for him. Uh, apparently not. Apparently he did what what uh, what uh, older retired people like to do: go to Florida. Go to Tampa Bay and, and join the Bucks. The Bucks. Boy, that's gonna look weird. I don't get me wrong, the Buccaneers have some weapons there. They've they've got a good tight end, they've got some good wide receivers, they've got good pieces in place to potentially be something. And Bruce Arians is a good head coach good offensive-minded, quarterback-friendly head coach. He's going to work with Brady to put a good system in place that's going to benefit both Brady and the team. I just, I did not see that one coming. Um, And that division, you've still got the Saints, who are really good. You've got the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey and now Teddy Bridgewater, I think they're going to be improved. And Atlanta with Matt Ryan, you can't overlook the Falcons. So he's definitely going to a more difficult and certainly more volatile division. And the NFC South is traditionally a division that there's. it seems like the division winner always kind of comes out of nowhere and takes everybody by surprise and wins that division. Certainly different from owning the AFC East for the last 20 years. So an interesting choice. Um, Not one I saw Brady making. I'll I'll be honest, I didn't see that move coming. It'll be be interesting to watch. Suddenly, all of a sudden, you're going to see a lot more Tampa Bay games put in prime time. I think Buccaneers at Saints is absolutely going to wind up on Sunday night football. I think you'll see some Monday night games featuring featuring the uh, the Buccaneers, and you might even see a home game on NBC for Tampa Bay this this coming season. So, all right, that's enough talking about what team what players did that didn't come to Chicago. Let's get into some some players that did come to Chicago. I've got a move that I love, a move that I hate, and one that I'm meh about. Let's talk about that next on the Bear on the Bear Down podcast. Last topic for this episode, let's look at the free agent moves that Ryan Pace has already made for the Bears. Couple of couple of small ones and three big ones. The two small moves, bringing in Artie Burns, a former first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, similar to Leonard Floyd, uh, where it was it just didn't quite work out in that system. Bring him in on a short-term deal, see if you can get something out of him. This is a former first-round pick. That's a fine move. Let's see what you can do. They also then brought in, and I'm going to forget the name, but they brought in a safety uh, over the weekend as well. Again, one-year deal uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure, why not take a flyer on those guys, see how they work. Never never hurts to keep bolstering that defense. You can never have too much help on any side of the ball at any one given position. 
Three really big moves, though, right away in the first couple days of free agency. One move that I love, one move that I hate, and one move that I'm whelmed would be the best way to put it. Not overwhelmed, not underwhelmed, just okay, all right, that was a that was a move, that was a, a decision, I guess. First, the one that I don't like, and I haven't found anybody that does like it yet, bringing in Jimmy Graham on a two-year deal for $16 million, $9 million guaranteed. Yikes. What a terrible, awful move. If you're talking the Jimmy Graham fresh out of New Orleans, which I think is what Ryan Pace must have in his head from their days back in the Saints when they were both working for the Saints organization. If that's the Jimmy Graham you're getting from from five, six years ago, yeah, then this is a steal of a move. As it is, you are getting quite possibly one of the worst tight ends available on the market and paying him a relative fortune. Uh, this is a this is a guy who actually had fewer catches last season than the entire Bears tight end core had as a unit last year. And that was with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. You're going to have no matter who starts at quarterback for the Bears this coming season, you're going to have somebody decidedly less skilled and less knowledgeable in a scheme than Aaron Rodgers operating it. And Jimmy Graham couldn't operate under those conditions. You're talking about a tight end that, due to his age, can't run anymore, can't jump anymore, has decent hands, and could never block. Other than that, though, he's fine. And you gave him $9 million. This is the this is the football equivalent to Mike Bloomberg buying up more television advertising time after he'd already decided to drop out of the presidential race. That's what Ryan Pace did here. Just wasted $9 million. I do not like the Jimmy Graham signing one bit, one iota. Um, I don't see what help he gives to the team. He just, if they're both healthy, Trey Burton's better. Um, if they're not healthy, I don't know what Jimmy Graham can do. Yes, Adam Shaheen has been a bust. Yes, Trey Burton has had injury problems. Uh, yes, you haven't been able to otherwise find a reliable tight end, but there's no way this move pans out. I honestly, I think what happened was they really wanted to go after Austin Hooper. And this is the the deal that he had in mind for Austin Hooper. Hooper decided not to take it. And so he just turned to Jimmy Graham, a tight end he knows, and said, here, here's the deal that Hooper want down, turned down. Do you want it? Yeah, sure, I'll take it. Okay, here you go. You got it. So it's a, it's a terrible move. I don't like it. I don't see any possible way this pans out. You look at Jimmy Graham's numbers uh, over the last five, six years. Every year that he has played 16 games, his numbers have his catch numbers have gone down. 
every single season. His production has dropped every single season. He is on the way down. He is on the way out. I think even if you catch lightning in a bottle, he's mediocre at best for you this season. So I don't like that move one bit. But then he turned around and got Robert Quinn. Now, that's an interesting move. That's a move I like. You effectively traded Robert Quinn for Leonard Floyd because the corresponding move was then to, to cut Leonard Floyd entirely off the books. Quinn is interesting. He's coming off of a resurgent year in Dallas off of 11 and a half sacks and a, a renewed sense of urgency and purpose. You put him across from Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks And that's just another viable pass rush that teams have to have to be weary of, have to pay respect to. The part of the problem they ran into last year is once Hicks went down, opposing teams were just constantly double and triple teaming Khalil Mack to make sure that he wasn't getting in and disrupting the play, and nobody else was able to pick up the slack. Quinn is a guy who should be able to pick up the slack. If if you're focusing your energies on Khalil Mack, Quinn is somebody who can who can sneak in there and and disrupt the play. He does traditionally prefer playing in a 4-3 as opposed to a 3-4 defense. Uh, from a pass rushing perspective, what that means is in a 4-3, you're going to be on the end position with your hand in the dirt right there on the line of scrimmage, as opposed to in the 3-4, you're going to be playing a linebacker position and actually be playing about five yards uh, in front of the line of scrimmage and rushing from a from a standing position. Quinn seems to prefer rushing with his hand in the dirt and right there on the line of scrimmage. With as much time anymore as defenses spend in sub-packages or non-standard fronts, I think Chuck Pagano is smart enough. He'll be able to figure out some ways to get Quinn on the line with his hand in the dirt to help make that more comfortable for him and then help transition into a into a true pass rushing linebacker spot. I'm not as worried from that. And it's again just continuing to to make sure that your defense doesn't become one or two injuries away from being normal or average. Uh, the defense was still good last year, but it was nowhere near as fearsome and that was in part because Akeem Hicks went down and so Khalil Mack just couldn't do it all by himself. It was too easy for teams to put their focus and energies on making sure Khalil Mack wasn't the guy that beat them. So this is this is a move to just just help keep that defense good, help keep that defense on pace, on target, staying in the the certainly top ten and maybe even back into the top five of defenses in the league. So I really like that move. I appreciate that move by them. And then on to the big move, the the meh move, the okay, I guess this is all right. The trade for Nick Foles. It's disappointing to me that Trubisky hasn't panned out. And I agree that they need to look at an upgrade outside of Mitch. Mitch crashed and burned so hard last year, just 
did not progress the way they would have hoped and took took steps backward in other areas and just stayed flat uh, in in pretty much all respects. So it it completely makes sense to me that they needed to look at an upgrade from Mitch. They swung and missed at Teddy Bridgewater. I talked about that earlier. Um, it just it stinks that they have to go and replace this guy because so often you just don't find your future quarterback, your your guy for the long term in free agency. You've got to find him in the draft. And once again, the Bears have have missed in that regard. And it's frustrating. It's it's disheartening is is a good word for it. It's it's just disheartening to see that yet again they failed at at a quarterback. And so now you've got to go to free agency. You've got to go to the trade route. And instead of getting somebody like, say, Jay Cutler 10 years ago, where, hey, this is a quarterback in his prime. This is somebody that actually, if you take good care of him and he takes good care of you, this could be the guy that that you sing songs and praises about later. Nobody's saying that about Nick Foles, at least not that I'm hearing anyway. Uh, If somebody's thinking that Nick Foles is going to be the guy for years and years and years to come. Uh, all right, I guess. Um, I don't I don't see it, but okay. You're talking about a guy who's already in his 30s. I believe he's 31, maybe even is, he, is even going to be 32 when the season starts. Has had flashes of success. You, of course, you... He won a, he won an MVP in a Super Bowl. <laughs> you can't take that away from him. Beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, as a as a backup quarterback, came in, handled the end of the season for the Eagles, the playoffs for the Eagles, and then won the Super Bowl and won the MVP. That's really darn good. Also had a season where he threw 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions. But then he's also got things on his resume like being the backup in Kansas City to Alex Smith when Alex Smith was good but also wasn't exactly being an all-world beater. You had him get injured last year in Jacksonville and then couldn't beat out Gardner Minshew, a sixth-round draft pick. And yes, I know his name and his mustache are amazing, but at the end of the day, Gardner's not that great of a quarterback. There's a reason that Jacksonville was looking to get rid of Foles. And you gave up, and you gave up more draft capital to get him. You couldn't get a guy in free agency. I was hoping, honestly, that they'd sign either Teddy Bridgewater or wait for Cam Newton to get cut and go sign Cam Newton. Uh, the problem, I understand why they went with the trade option. When a guy hits the market, you might not be able to convince him to come play for you. Uh, that's what happened in the case of Teddy Bridgewater is he said, thanks, no thanks, I'll go play for Carolina. Uh, you know, Cam Newton hits the open market and the Patriots come come calling. That's going to be a tough one to say no to, a tough situation to say no to. Because uh, you, you walk in, you know you're going to be the starter in Chicago. It's at least going to present itself as a competition. And that competition, we're going to see who is pulling the strings in Chicago right now behind the scenes with the Bears. Is Ryan Pace 
How much power does he have with the roster? Obviously, he's the general manager. He's setting the roster. Is he the guy who has sway in the depth chart? Or is that Matt Nagy? Uh, if, I think if Mitch comes out of this being the starter, Ryan Pace is the guy with the power. If it's Nick Foles, you know Nagy wanted any quarterback not named Mitch Trubisky to be in camp to, be, to provide uh, competition for Mitch. And it worked out that it's Nick Foles, somebody who knows the system, somebody who has familiarity with Nagy, with John D. Filippo, your new uh, new offensive coordinator. Uh, excuse me, Bob Lazers, the the offensive coordinator. Um, John D. Filippo's a, a assistant offensive coach with the Bears. He's got he's got some familiarity with uh, excuse me with Nick Foles. So you've got some familiarity there. You've got some some comfort there in that. Uh, and we'll see if Foles comes out and breaks camp as the starter, then you know that Nagy is the guy who ultimately is setting the the depth chart and kind of has more power than than Ryan Pace right now. And I think across NFL teams, that's typically how you see it, is the coach typically has a bit more of the prestige and a bit more of control over the operations than the general manager does. That's kind of how you see some of the top organizations work. Um, but we'll get, we'll get some answers there. I did see an interesting, uh, an interesting tweet out there uh, earlier this week that somebody ran a couple simulations of the upcoming season, one with Trubisky, at quarterback and the other with Nick Foles at quarterback. And uh, it, the Bears went seven and nine with Trubisky at quarterback and went 11 and five with Foles. Take that for what it's worth. I, I'd be a little surprised to see 11 and five maybe with, with Foles, but certainly a winning record and, and a playoff, uh, you know, vying for that for that seventh or sixth playoff spot, absolutely, you know, grab that extra wild card spot, get in with this. Uh, those certainly should be should be possibilities. And who knows? Maybe Foles proves me wrong and has a has a renaissance season and looks like looks like he did with the Eagles. Certainly, when they won the Super Bowl, and again when they came in here and beat the Bears at Soldier Field in a playoff game, or. Maybe this lights the fire that Mitch needs and Mitch steps up and and becomes what everyone hoped he would be when they took him second overall. Uh, time will time will tell with that. So anyway, that's my that's my thoughts on the quarterback position overall. Eh, okay, they brought in a guy. Nick Foles is a guy. Nothing against him personally, but I don't think this is anything more than a, a one or two year stopgap, and then it's back to the well again, trying to find the guy for the future. Well, that's all I've got for this episode. A little bit longer of an episode, I know, uh, with with uh, the quarantine going on, and and temporarily I'm not working. Uh, had a little bit had a little bit more time. Again, I hope that you and your family are all safe and healthy. Uh, staying home as much as possible, getting all the getting all the supplies and food and everything that you need. Uh, stay safe, everybody. Uh, 
glad though that I was able to create a little bit of a diversion for you and talk some football for a little bit. Again, this is a, a passion project for me. I love talking football with with people, and I'm just glad to be able to do this. And especially at a time like now when we've got lots of other serious things going on, to provide a little bit of a diversion is is and talk about something as relatively meaningless as as football is is kind of fun and kind of nice. All right. Until next time, this is the Bear Down Podcast. I'm Adam Kernick. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later and bear down.